morning, everybody. If we haven't met before, my name's Rob, and I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, I hope you are too. Now, you once we start getting into it, you'll be like, why are you so excited about this particular topic? And this is something that you probably won't figure out until the very end uh, for you to know that. And so it's one of those places where you got to develop some long-range views. So uh, first of all, do we have any Golden Globe people in the house? Any Golden Globe fans? Some people like to indulge. My favorite, I'm not super into it, but my favorite award is one of the very last awards, that Cecil B. DeMille Award about the outstanding contributions to the world of entertainment. Although I like to refer to it as the Lifetime Achievement Award. You know this award? Well, George Clooney won this year, in case you were interested. But it made me start wondering... How often do we dream about the outstanding achievements that we are going to contribute to the world? Because when I was six, I had like a list of 300. And at 12, it was probably like 200. By 18, it was down to about, you know, less than 100. And now uh, it's, it's, not, it's not very long. Um, but... God cares about the outstanding contributions that he wants to make through us in the world. Now, too often, I think we go right to our lifetime mistakes, not the lifetime achievements. For example, one person that got the award, the first, uh, the youngest winner of the Lifetime Achievement Award was also the first woman, I'm not sure if any of you know that, Judy Garland was the first one to win the award. She was born right here in Minnesota, and she was known for her tremendous professional talent. That's why she won the award. But she also had gigantic setbacks in her life, like deep personal trouble. For example, um, she got a contract with MGM Studios at 13 years old. Huge success, but at 12, suffered one of the greatest losses of her life when her dad died of spinal meningitis. Between the ages of 13 and 17, she was singing and acting in numerous shows, in numerous songs, um, just all kinds of crazy acts, but at the same time, the studio was putting unbelievable pressure on her about her looks and her weight, so much so that she was on drugs to keep her energy up and her weight down, and then medication to help her sleep, and she would be addicted to these things for the rest of her life. Now, at age 17, she gets the biggest role of her life as the Wizard of Oz actor, but by age 33, she's been married three times. She loses her contract with MGM because of the physical and emotional setbacks and the difficulties they have in working with her. And over the next 10 years, eventually, all three of her children would leave her, no longer able to handle the emotional and physical energy required for this drug-addicted, self-destructive behavior. And at age 47, she dies. She was never able to come back from the setbacks that she faced. And we've been talking, we just started this series on Exodus about this journey from comeback, from setback to comeback. And it's not just a book about some people leaving Egypt and going into the promised land. It's not just the second book of the Bible. This is also a metaphor for our lives, how we 
are hit with setback, but how God wants to bring us through the comeback. And everybody goes through these things. You don't have to be a professional actor to have a setback knock you down or keep you stuck. Setback happens. Anytime life throws us a curve, just something that's totally unexpected, and we end up in a place that we never thought we'd be, and quite honestly, we're afraid that we'll never leave. But why is it that some people come out stronger and some people come out meaner and some people just never, ever come out? Well, today, we're going to find out. And today, we're going to find out how to think. Like last week, we talked about how to think when we go to setback. Today, we're going to look at how to respond. What's God's way for us to respond, a way that's going to make us stronger, a way that's going to keep us from getting stuck, and a way that God is actually going to use in, in unbelievable ways. We're going to pick up the story in Exodus chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you want to turn there. If you don't, you can raise your hand if you'd like one, or you can look on your device. I promise I won't see if you're playing Candy Crush or something. In this story, we hear about this guy Moses. We haven't actually heard of him yet in the story except for the verses right before this, but we'll come back to those. Starting in verse 11, it says, One day Moses had grown up, and when he went out to where his own people were, he watched them at their hard labor. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his own people. Looking this way and that and seeing no one, he killed the Egyptian, and he hid him in the sand. The next day he went out and he saw two Hebrews fighting and he asked the one in the wrong, why are you hitting your fellow Hebrew? The man said, who made you judge and ruler over us? Are you thinking of killing me the way you killed that Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, what I did must have become known. And in fact, when Pharaoh heard this, he tried to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and went to live in Midian where he sat down by a well. Now a priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came to draw water and fill their troughs to water their father's flocks. But some shepherds came along and drove them away. But Moses got up and came to their rescue and watered their flocks. When the girls returned to Ruel, their father, he asked, Why have you returned so early today? Obviously, he knew that his daughters were having trouble. But they answered, An Egyptian, an Egyptian rescued us from the shepherds. He even drew water for us, and he watered our flock. And where is he? Ruel asked his daughters. Why did you leave him? Invite him to have something to eat with us. And Moses agreed to stay with the man who gave him Zipporah 